Hey everyone, you're listening to the MLEPC podcast. Thank you for joining us. The podcast features every previous Sunday's sermon and plenty of other cool content like interviews and mini-series. Please remember to share our content and subscribe to our channel so you can stay up to date with everything that we create. You can find out more about what's happening at the church by visiting our website at mlepc.org or checking us out on our social media. Once again, we thank you for tuning in to the Emily PC podcast, and we hope to see you at an event soon. It is good to be with all of you this morning. Thank you, Steve and Pastor Cinda and everyone else that held down the fort while I was on vacation. Um, I just have to let you know that it was warmer in Pittsburgh than it was at Myrtle Beach. <laughs> but it was great to be with family and, and uh, just have a chance to rest. I hope you all can take times of rest and Sabbath in the midst of our busy, crazy world. Um, but it's always, my be- the beach is one of my favorite places to go because I sit there and I look out at the ocean and it's like, that's God and this is little me. <laughs> it's like perspective check. Um, so it's always good to do that. But it, it was just a joy. I, I said in my e-letter, like just God was reminding me how much I need to be thankful for all of you and what God is up to and and the way that I've seen God at work and waking people uh, up in the Holy Spirit and just the children. They were telling me uh, while I was away, the Fired Up Friday, um, Lexi Campbell was leading singing and the kids just spontaneously got up to the stage and started singing with her. Isn't that amazing? Um, Out of the the mouths of babes and infants, God has ordained praise. And here these kids are coming up to worship the Lord. Um, God is is up to something, and it's just a joy to be able to be part of that. Um, So thank you for that privilege, and and I hope you all can sense it too. Let's turn our heart to, to the Word of God and see what He has to say for us today. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you that, that you are living and active God. Your love never fails. And Lord, we pray that you would pour out your love and your Holy Spirit on us today as we open up uh, the story of Jonah. Um, as, as this prophet ran away, we do repent of all the ways that we have run away. But Lord, help us to turn back toward you. Help us to hear your word to let it sink deep down into our bones and transform our lives, transform our hearts so that we can begin to love as you love. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So before I turn to Jonah, I wanted to read a passage from Isaiah. This is Isaiah 42, and, and, and it shows God's big vision for, for the world. This is what the Lord God says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place, the new things I declare before they spring into being. I announce them to you. And turning now over to the beginning of the book of Jonah, we're just going to look at three verses this morning, uh, but they are so rich and full with, with what we are called to do. So this is Jonah verse, chap, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. 
Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, dear Jonah, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I first told a friend that I was moving to Pennsylvania, he told me that I needed to watch the Pittsburgh Dad. I don't know if you guys have watched Pittsburgh Dad before. He is the quintessential Pittsburgh guy. Um, you go on YouTube, and he's hilarious. My, the very first one I ever watched, he was trying to say that, why is it called Eaton Park when it should be Park and Eat? <laughs> I, I, it cracks me up during Steeler season um, as, as he absolutely lo- loathes the, the New York, excuse me, the, the New England Patriots. Um, you, some of you may remember that game a couple of years ago when, when Juju had that ball in his hand and the, <laughs> it was going to be the winning touchdown and they, the New England got the call and you should have seen Pittsburgh dad at that, <laughs> at that moment. He was so mad. But I was thinking as I was thinking about Jonah, like, who are the people that we loathe? I mean, in a lighthearted way, the Pittsburgh dad completely loathes Tom Brady. <laughs> he is absolutely the enemy. Imagine if God said, okay, now go to Boston. Now go tell them about Jesus. How do you think he would have reacted? And so often, Steve said it a minute ago, who is it that you think does not deserve the grace of God? Boy, isn't that a powerful question because we all have a list. You know, this guy, yeah, absolutely, this one, yes, but whoa, not that one. <laughs> we, we can think about all the people, maybe they're close to us, maybe they're far away, maybe they are uh, from a different country, maybe they are uh, of a different political stance. Everything in our world has been divided recently, uh, more so than it has in a long time. And we think that that other, whoever is in that other category, does not deserve the grace of God. Well, here's the big question. Do you think you deserve the grace of God? The only reason any of us deserves the grace of God is because Jesus gives, us, gives it to us as a free gift on his righteousness, not because we deserve it. As we dive into the book of, of Jonah, we're going to see that God's heart from the beginning to the end, is a, he's a missionary God. He loves people that we would count as unlovable. He wants us to go to those who are, are broken, who are, are as far from him as we can imagine, and tell them that God loves them and that God has grace for them too. And we, we can't even say that message until we realize the grace that God has for us to start with. We are only beggars showing other beggars where to find bread. Our God is a missionary God, and he has a calling on each one of our lives. So as we spend the next eight weeks looking at the book of Jonah, we're going to see how God, in his great mercy, has a plan bigger than any of us can imagine. And he's inviting us to take part in it. As we look at Jonah, this is an unusual book. Most of the minor prophets were all of the prophets. Uh, it, they're, they're a series of prophecies, oracles, you know, statements about whether it's, it's Israel or Judah or um, Samaria or all of the different enemies of Israel. They, they're all like big speeches and then sometimes like Ezekiel gets to do really weird things like lie on his left side for a year and then turn over. 
Um, but, but Jonah is, is unusual because it's a narrative rather than an oracle. It's all a story of what happens to Jonah. We know that um, some people have problems with Jonah. They want to doubt the, the, the is, it, is it history or is it just a mythological thing? Um, some people say that it couldn't have happened because there were miracles in the book. But guess what? Our God is a God of miracles. And the most compelling argument to me is that Jesus treated Jonah as true. Jesus uh, says in Matthew 12, For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. Jesus acted like Jonah was true, and I think we need to read it as true and, and read it, understand it uh, as the Word of God. Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, says, All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's my hope as we study this book, that we would be convicted, that we will be trained, that we will be sent out as Jonah was sent out, so that we too can participate in the, in the work of God, so that we can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So who was Jonah? There's one other message, uh, mention of him in the Bible. It's in 2 Kings. He is in the court of King Jeroboam II. Jeroboam II was a mess. He was evil. It, the Bible clearly says he did evil in the sight of the Lord. The, the nor it was part of the northern kingdom, if you remember. So after David, when all of Israel was united together, then Solomon reigned and expanded the borders. And then after Solomon, the, the kingdom split up. So we had the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Um, the southern kingdom had Jerusalem. The northern kingdom, they didn't want to go to Jerusalem, so they created two uh, kind of idol-worshipping sites to mimic Jerusalem. But it wasn't, they weren't worshipping Yahweh. So all of the kings in the north had something bad about them. And Jeroboam was, was one of those. He was not doing what was good in the sight of the Lord. Now Jonah was apparently in that court. And there was one prophecy that, that Jonah gave that, that Jeroboam did listen to. And we see that Jonah it told him that he needed to, to shore up the borders of Israel against the Assyrians. So Jeroboam did obey that, and it allowed a little bit of time of peace. But otherwise, Jeroboam was just doing one thing after another for himself. He was one of the kings that Amos prophesied to. And if you read the book of Amos, it is just one criticism after another after another of the northern kingdom and how far they had strayed away from the Lord. They are selfish. They are materialistic. There is injustice all throughout the kingdom. This is one of the things that, that Amos says. They sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. And over and over in Amos, he, the, the prophecy is return to me, return to me, return to me. Um, so Jonah is in this, in this environment, but it's hard to know, is he like truly a prophet of God or is he like schmoozing with the bad guys? Is he like happy with his position in the court palace? Uh, we, we don't really know, but we do get a sense that he is not very fond, especially in this book, of God's plan. He knows God. They talk to all the time, but he is he doesn't trust that God is going to do what he wants what what Jonah wants God to do. So if think about him like he is a true patriot. He is is loyal to his king and his country. Um, and so think about somebody like an advisor in the White House. 
is then told, go in the middle of Iran and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it's just such a strange thing to, for this guy to have to do. He has a pretty cushy job, and then suddenly God sends him away. So as we look at these three verses, it, it, it's, we immediately see when we read it that something is going to change here. There's a, a typical pattern with God and, and with the prophets. He says, go here and say this. And the prophets go there and say that. They, they do what God tells them to do. So what happens in Jonah? Immediately, God says, go there, say this. And what, is, what does Jonah do? He goes the opposite direction. And immediately you see, this is going to be a funky book. You have to read this upside down because the guy that you thought was going to be the hero of the story is kind of an anti-hero. You have to think of him as the opposite of what you're expecting should be. So and another weird thing is that nobody had ever up to this point been told to go to the enemy they were prophesying against. They had all been, a, a prophet would speak what was, what was against the enemies, the Ammonites and the, the, the Edomites and all of those guys. But this time Jonah is told to go to them. And, and so that's an un, unusual moment. And not only to go to the, just to anybody, but to go to the sworn enemy of Israel. They had to go, he had to go to Nineveh, the capital of the Assyrian Empire. I mean, these guys were awful. We see that in, in the very first uh, verse of preach against Nineveh because its wickedness has come before me. They were terrible people. It was like the terrorists of the day, the ISIS of the day. They were awful people, and this wickedness had come before the Lord. There's a um, in the British Museum, there, there's a, a room called the Lockish Room. That's um, the Lockish panels are in there. The Lockish was um, was a city in in Israel that that the Assyrians came to fight against, and they laid siege to it. And these panels are describing the siege of of the head of the Assyrian Sennacherib against. Uh, the Israelites, and it is brutal, and they're, they're proud of how brutal they were. So we can see evidence of their brutality, not just in the Bible, but, but in other things. And this is the group that God is sending Jonah up to. And we see instant conflict, instant conflict. Jonah hears what God says, and he cho chooses to do the exact opposite. God says, go east, he goes west. God says, go up, he goes down. In, in the Hebrew, you see that three different times. God says, go up, he goes down to Joppa, and then down to the port, and then down to the ship, and then down into the ship. <laughs> it's, it's over and over and over. He is going the opposite way that God tells him. Jonah doesn't trust God. So what do we see about the character of God in the middle of all of this? God has a message for Nineveh. God hasn't given up on Nineveh. God still wants to work there. God is a missionary God, as I mentioned earlier. God has a plan for the entire world. He is not just saying, these are my chosen people, they're special, and I hate everybody else. God's message, even from Abraham in Genesis 12, is that I'm choosing you... To be, a, to be blessed, to be a blessing to the nations. So God's plan for the Gentiles has been around from the beginning. God wants to reach the whole people through his chosen people. 
His chosen people aren't to the exclusion of everyone else. They're the, somebody said they're the emergency response team to the world. They're the ones, they're the first responders. They're the ones who are supposed to be sent out. So we see this character of God. God is not going to leave Nineveh alone because he created them, even them, in the image of God. Um, as, we, as we see this, we think one story in the Bible that this reminds me of. You remember when Paul, before Paul came to Christ, he, he was persecuting Christians. He was trying to murder people. And all of a sudden, God knocks him down as he's on the road to Damascus. And he has this incredible conversion experience. But nobody knows about this yet. So he goes to Damascus. And then he tells a guy, Ananias, go to, the, go to Straight Street. And, and you'll find Saul, then called Saul. And I want you to tell him about me. And, and Ananias is like, are you kidding me? Like, this guy's coming to murder Christians. And you want me to go talk to him. I mean, can you imagine that moment when Ananias is like, you are crazy. But Ananias, unlike Jonah, obeys. And, and what do we see? We see the conversion of one of the most powerful missionaries in all of the history of, of Christianity, of, of the, one of the main authors of the entire New Testament, because Ananias was willing to go to his sworn enemy and, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This, this is really personal for me, too. My younger brother, I've mentioned before, he's in the Marines. Um, and he spent um, a, about a year in Iraq during the war. And his job, this, if you remember the, the prison scandal that where the Americans were just awful to these prisoners, um, his job became a Geneva Convention compliance officer. Now, how's that for a big title? Um, so he would travel to different holding sites and prisons to make sure that the prisoners, the enemies were being treated with dignity and justice. It was so fascinating to hear his stories because a whole lot of Americans didn't like him because of his job, that he had to hold uh, the, the American people accountable, the, the soldiers accountable, um, to be able to work with justice and the rule of law. So he was, here he was going into, the, literally into these enemy places, dealing with, with combatants. And yet, trying to show grace. My brother's a really strong Christian, and so he was trying to show love and grace even to these people who were, in everything in their world, was opposed to him. But God has a plan for us to go even into those places where it is very difficult to love people and to show them honor and dignity. We'd rather say, you are my enemy, and I don't even want to see you anymore. But the heart of God is for every single person. I don't know if you've heard, um, there is a, one of the places that revival is breaking out in the world is, is the country of Iran. I mean, if there's one country that has hated the United States for a very long time, it's Iran. But God has been sending people visions. He has been creating churches there. All kinds of crazy things are happening. I heard one woman one time talking about how God had told her to plant seven churches. And so she planted six and got arrested. So she's in prison saying, God, I thought you said seven. I only did six. And, and God was like, watch this. And he helped her plant a church in the prison. <laughs> God is doing something even with people that we think would never deserve grace. Because none of us ever deserves grace at all. So when we see this message given to Jonah, what's Jonah's response? Jonah doesn't trust God. He doesn't trust that God knows what he's doing. He doesn't trust that God's decisions are good. 
Who, who was the first one that, dis, that did that in the Bible? We have Adam and Eve. Did God really say? They didn't trust that God's will for them not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a good plan. They thought God was holding out on them. They wanted to do things their way. And we see the exact same response with Jonah. Jonah doesn't want to, to do things God's way. He thinks he knows a way better way. And so he heads out as far away from God as he can possibly go. And yet God, of course, is inescapable. Psalm 139 talks about if I, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. And with Jonah, it was like holding him by the scruff of his neck. Tarshish was modern-day Spain, and so that was as far away to the ends of the sea, the far side of the sea that he could get. And yet God was going to be with him no matter what happened. We, we sense that, that there must be fear involved as he doesn't trust the Lord. He's afraid of what's going to happen. Think about if you went right in the middle of the enemy's camp and started saying that something that was completely opposed to everything that they believed, you'd probably fear for your life. But we'll find out later in chapter 4, we'll, when we get to that, we'll study more of this. But his biggest fear, Jonah's biggest fear, was not for his life. His biggest fear was that God would be merciful. He was afraid and, and angry that God was going to be merciful. This is chapter 2. Um, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish, I knew that you were gracious and compassionate, God. Slow to anger and abounding in love. You can hear him like, <laughs> a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. It is better for me to die than to live. I was like, I knew you were going to be good, so I just want to die. <laughs> it's incredible to see this little pity party that he's having. So that's why he runs away. He doesn't think that the Ninevites deserve grace and deserve mercy. He, they, he, they don't deserve God's attention. And so he is so mad at God, he would rather run all the way to the end of the sea than to, than to follow the Lord. I'm reading Tim, Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal Prophet, and it is, it's a great book. I'd highly recommend it. It's not, it's not very long. Uh, but one thing he says is that Jonah wants a God of his own making, a God who simply smites the bad people and blesses the good people. But Jonah finds the real God to be an enigma. How can God be both merciful and just? How can God be both merciful and just? He would much rather smite, 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 smite the enemy. And boy, how often do we feel like that too, right? Like, Lord, just wipe them out. And yet God has compassion. And Jonah doesn't get it. And boy, it's hard for us to get that as well. God can have mercy on people that we think are as far away from him as possible. And yet God sees them as made in his image. But Jonah here is doubting the goodness of God. He doubts the wisdom of God. He doubts the plan of God. And therefore, he doesn't want to obey God. You see how trust and fear lead to disobedience, just like Adam and Eve. He, they, he doesn't believe that God has a good plan. He doesn't believe that God's will is good. And so he's willing to go the absolute opposite way. And boy, do we do that ourselves. We don't trust that God is good. We don't trust that God has a good plan. We see God doing things that we don't agree with. 
Even when God calls us to reach out to those that seem absolutely unlovable, people that, that would destroy us if, if they could, we, we respond in fear and, and putting up walls. We don't want anything to do with this plan of God. Sometimes we run away. Sometimes we absolutely head in the opposite direction. As I was praying about this, even this morning, God showed me sometimes... It's, it's not that active running away. Sometimes it's apathy. Sometimes we just don't care. Man, how often do we see God loves all of these people, we should share the gospel. Eh, that's nice over there. We know that that's, you know, yeah, we, yeah God's got a thing. But what do we do about it? Uh, I'm busy. <laughs> how often do we, we run by numbing ourselves out? rather than joyfully pursuing what God has for us. It is so easy to turn off our minds and our brains and say, you know, somebody else will do that. That's not my calling. When God is calling every single one of us to go and make disciples, to say to people, come and see, follow Jesus, and he will make us fishers of men. We'd rather just, you know, be comfortable in our own lives with our own friends and not have to go beyond ourselves. But our struggle is to say, God, help us to love people with your heart. Help us to see others, even the ones that we think don't deserve grace. Help us to see them at, with, through your eyes of mercy. And honestly, brothers and sisters, the first thing we need to do in order to love that way is to understand how much mercy it took for us to be forgiven for us to be set free. Uh, as Pastor Steve said earlier, for, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. There's nothing in us that deserved God's grace other than the blood of Jesus Christ that sets us free. When we understand how much we have been forgiven, how much we have been set free from all the, 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 the sin and death that, that hold us down, that's when we can share that gift with other people. That's when we can learn to love as Jesus loved, to learn to share the mercy and grace of God. On Sunday, or yesterday, we, um, the intentional parenting group had a, a church picnic, and it, unfortunately it was rainy, so we were inside rather than outside. Um, but it was such a joy to sit there with them and, and to see this group is, is from all nations. It is so fun to see all of these different cultures represented, to see the kids playing with each other. Let me tell you, the food was fabulous. Um, partly the farious and a, and a Brazilian barbecue. I'm telling you, that was fabulous. But to see that God has plans for our church to make us not just... Uh, you know, a white middle-class church, but to make us a church that reflects every tribe and tongue and nation. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. And, and God can bring people in that you would never think would be part of, of, of people who follow the Lord. But none of us deserve to be part of, of God's kingdom until he made the way. God has such a bigger vision of his kingdom and of the people that he loves than we do. Brothers and sisters, you are welcomed into the kingdom because of Jesus. And you and I are also called. God says in the very last line in Jonah, should I not care about that great city? Brothers and sisters, should we not care about this great city and the cities beyond it all the way to the ends of the earth? Should we not care? Because Jesus Christ cared for us 
Let us love because he loved us first. Let's pray together. Holy God, we do thank you and we praise you for your grace, for your mercy, for your power. Oh Lord God, we so often tune out your voice. We run the opposite direction. We turn our, our brains off. We, we numb out. We don't want to care about the people that you care about. Lord God, we pray that you would forgive us for that. We pray that you would awaken our sleeping hearts, that we would be awake to your love for us and for your love for those around us. Oh, Lord God, turn us into willing and obedient vessels rather than Jonah's who run away from you. Help us to see your bigger plan and to trust that your will is good. Lord God, we do thank you for your will to bring all nations to you and many, many of them through this church. And we are so grateful for that. We pray your blessings on everyone coming to this place and all those that you want to call to you through this church. Lord, help us to be humble and, not, and not, not have a pride of place like the Israelites did, but rather to see that we are the ones that are called to go and share the good news with the world. Lord God, we do lift up those in our church that are hurting right now. We pray for those who are having medical procedures this week and, and especially the, one of the moms that has to be with her daughter as she's going through that. We pray for those facing cancer, for those who are grieving lost loved ones, we pray for those who are, are mourning the death of dreams when they, they thought that this was how their life would turn out, and it isn't. Lord, we pray for parents who pray for their prodigals. We pray that, that they would be able to love well and have the wisdom to know how to, how to draw their, their prodigals back to you. Lord, we ask that you would turn them around and let them see that you, your will is good even for their lives. Lord, we thank you that you have lavished your love upon us by calling us your dearly beloved children. And it is as your children we are bold to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Carolyn. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you'd like to find out more about our church, you can check out our website at mlepc.org and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a podcast. Have a blessed day.